Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We're your hosts, Steven. And Kyle. How you doing today, Kyle? I'm exhausted. Yeah, you had a pretty rough weekend. Yep, it was rough. That sucks. It does suck. But at least that's almost over. Touche. Touche. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in today, and thank you for telling all your weird friends about us, because that's what's important. The more people we get to listen, the better. I'm bringing a uh, weird story from the Great White North here. It's been popping up all over the TikTok and the YouTube, so I figured we ought to do a little spin on it. But before we can talk about that, we got to get through the business. Check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Search us up. Come and hang out. If you got a story you'd like to submit to our submissions... Wow, I went off trail there. If you got a story you'd like to submit for us to use in a uh, future episode, Kyle's going to tell you how to do it. Well, as you heard prior last week, we had a great interview with Harrison. And what he did was he went ahead and called our cell phone, which is 1618-556-0837. And he had a candid interview with us off the cuff, right on the spot. It was awesome. You can also leave voicemails on there. You can text it, uh, whatever you want to do. And then you can write your, you can write stories out. You can get a hold of us on social media. You can record yourself and send that over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. And if we haven't gotten to your episode or your submission right away, because we, A, suck at organization. Uh, can confirm. Which you will hear in just a moment. And also, we do have quite a few. We're, we're going to get there, we promise. Yeah, we're just going we're through and finding little gems here and there and playing them and working on them. And, you know, we're doing our best. We're getting there. Yeah. So don't think we're blatantly ignoring you or anything like that. It's just... We're busy guys, and we try our best. We're not good at podcasting. We're definitely not good at podcasting. So, that being said, if you're sitting there thinking, man, these guys need all the help they can get, I'm going to support the show. We've got a bunch of ways that you can do that. They're going to buy us an organizational folder <laughs> That's not to help a, us organize that's things. help us at all. <laughs> all I would do is just get shoved <laughs> underneath the desk. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. We have a Venmo. If you'd like to support us that way, check both of those out. Uh, there are links to them all over in our link tree and everywhere. We have a web store where you can buy a t-shirt we've got all kinds of cool stuff um if you decide to leave us a dope ass five-star rating and review that would be awesome because that's the best way to get our name out there and make us more visible in the podcast world and if you leave us something super cool and a five-star i'll gladly shout you out so today's five-star rating and review comes to us from kelki momo I like it. I can't actually read the title because it only goes so far, but it says, let's get these boys, dot, 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 dot. So whatever fired. you want to get us, let's go. Yeah, fired, abducted. I don't know. I'm not really trying to be abducted. But they gave five stars, and they say, 10 of 10, a symphony of elements that wouldn't work on their own but come together to form something beautiful. If I had a monkey's paw, I would use two of the wishes to give these guys money and immortality and use the last wish to kill their enemies. 
Wow. I love. I like it. Kelky Momo, you're you. You just made it to the Hall Sky Hall of Fame. Yeah, the Hall of Fame, it's if like, you will. It's like I don't know how to feel about that one. It was. It was because at was, first it's like it was low key threatening. Yeah, not, at not first, to us. at first it was like, Steve, you suck, Kyle, you suck. Put you together, but together, magic. You don't suck. Like like dill pickles and peanut butter. Ew. I don't know if that Disgusting. works. Disgusting. Two most off the wall things I could think of. So, and then, but then the rest of it was cool. So I mean, yeah, it counts. And they 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 sound kind of dangerous. So, um, I'm in support of this. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm, I second that. But I got to do this right now. So, parched. I already and burnt a little, mine. A so sip here. It's it's lukewarm, but we're gonna deal with it. Um, before we get into our listener review of the day, or not listener review, but listener submission of the day, we're gonna talk a little bit about something that happened last week, and this is gonna be the last time we talk about it, because I know a lot of people that listen don't even fuck with social media, and I don't blame you. But the um, time traveler and the USB that we've been hunting. Uh, has proven to be a hoax we're not going to dive into it very much i just wanted to let you guys know uh, we started digging into it we had all the help on the discord you guys need to go get to the discord come over there hang out with us good group over there we dug exposed it as a hoax the hoaxer care hoaxer came forward admitted to not only sending the usb and the weird emails but also the time traveler email from the very get-go back in april so we are just as disappointed as you guys are. Heartbroken. We were hoping that it was gonna be we were gonna fucking prove time travel's real. But all we did was prove the trolls are real. So everybody that helped us out with that, thank you so much. Um it did. It kind of took the wind out of our sails a little bit, yeah. but we are off to the next one and we are bringing you guys with us. Yeah, and Harrison his interview kind of Put a little bit of a pep back in our stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, our our live a, call in that we yeah. had. Yeah, which you guys would have heard last week. Yeah. For us, it was like an hour ago, but whatever. It helps. But I just wanted to keep you guys that aren't on Facebook and the socials uh, up to date. So if we don't talk about it again, that's why. That's why. Any listeners that feel like they want to be involved in stuff, there are many different ways to do that opposed to falsifying things. Um, yeah, we have, we have a P.O. box. Yeah. Just send us weird shit. As long as it's not fake weird shit. Yeah, or stuff that's going to get us in prison. Yeah, and I mean, if, you, if you're if you that hungry to be in the Paranormal Podcast game, start yourself one, dog. It's You can start it for free. Word. Just don't try to play off the credibility of other people okay that's it yeah so we're gonna leave it moving forward moving on we are back with our friend dom speaking on how terrible uh told you how terrible we are at organization i found this email from dom all the way back from may so dom's timeline's a little a little convoluted here because we don't pay attention good that's true my apologies my friend all the way from New Zealand, but he is back with some weird shit. Let's go. I was like, 
Hey Steve, hey Kyle. Um, cheers for playing my submission the other week. That was all kinds of freaky to get to sleep that night. Just like hovering around thinking it's gonna all happen again. Luckily it didn't. I went to sleep with my current wife, <laughs> which was nice. Um, so yeah, I'm obviously not from New Zealand originally. I grew up in um, England, Yorkshire specifically. Um, and yeah, heaps of things have just happened generally all my life. Um, so yeah, one of the really old ones was when I was um, quite a young lad really. I'd be about four or five. Um, and this only came back into like the full understanding of it only kind of came to light um, when I took my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, back to England to meet my parents for the first time. Um, so yeah, what ended up happening is I'd be about four years old uh, my mum and dad had taken me on holiday down somewhere, fuck, I don't know, down somewhere in the Midlands, um, some market town. Um, we were strolling around the market town, um, which was an indoor market, and all I remember from it was mum and dad holding my hands on either side, um, and me just seeing this old woman coming walking up to me and obviously just cooing at me, because I'm, I'm a cute little kid, of course. Um, and yeah, she's touching me and I'm talking to her and she's talking to me. And this went on for about, well, what I'd estimate from a four-year-old's perspective, probably about a minute. Um, so that happened. Um, obviously, I thought, yep, that's a woman. I've just been talking to her. She's obviously taken aback by me because she thinks I'm cool with my 80s bowl cut. Um, yeah, and then years later, we were talking about just sort of paranormal things around my my girlfriend, then wife now, in front of my parents. Um, I mentioned, I don't know how it came up, but the, I think my parents mentioned it and just said, yeah, we remember taking you through the market town when you were a little nipper, and uh, you just all of a sudden stopped and started talking to no one, but you were having a full-blown sort of yeah, conversation with someone. But in my head... All I remember is the woman physically there talking to her, just like looking at my mum and dad going, why is she touching me? Um, yeah, that was quite a freaky one. Um, so yeah, that happened when I was four and then just a continuation of paranormal weird shit has happened ever since. Um, another one, which was <laughs> another freaky do. Um, I'd gone away on holiday probably again with my mum and dad and this was a place in York, don't know if you know York very well, but it goes back to, well, way before Romans. Um, the Norse came down, settled there, um, and then just ever since that, it's been a haunted, <laughs> a pretty haunted spot in England to go to. Um, that's not what we were there for, though. We were just staying in a hotel. Fairly modern, obviously, but it's not generally what the uh, the building is now. It's what it was sitting on. Um, so, yeah. Mum and dad have gone to get a break away from me. They've buggered off somewhere down in the lobby for drinks. I'd be about 11, 11 or 12. Um, so obviously I don't want to hang out with my parents because I'm way too cool for that. I uh, went back up into the room to watch some TV. Um, probably trying to look at some dodgy, dodgy site, some dodgy TVs. Um, but yeah, that happened. Went back, laid down, um, playing the TV. Heard some noise in the background. Um, just ongoing I was like never thought much of it probably lasted about half an hour before I went up and thought fuck this sounds something weird um, so I put it down to a trolley going up and down the corridor outside but after 40 minutes you're kind of wondering why the fuck is someone rolling a trolley up and down just outside my door 
Um, so yeah, got up, stood up, walked uh, walked towards the door, and as I'm walking towards the door, there's a bathroom on your right. I opened the door. Um, nothing initially happened, and then within about five to ten seconds, the shower door, which is magnetic, so it goes click, sliders, and then clicks to the other side, was just freely going on its own, left, right, shut, open, shut, open. Um, and that was what the noise was. <laughs> um, so after a good five seconds of staring at that happening on its own and working out what the fuck, um, I kind of slammed the door shut for the bathroom, put my boots on, ran downstairs to my mum and dad, looking all freaked out, pretty much just wearing boxes and a t-shirt, <laughs> running through the lobby with some trainers that are undone, um, trying to explain to my mum and dad that I'm not staying in that room, there's fucking some dodgy ghost shit going down again, um, which they all just kind of put down to me freaking out over nothing like they used to do. Um, so yeah, that's another little story. The last one, well, it's not the last one, I've got an abundance of them, but just to keep things short, I did mention that there was a a glimmer sort of experience. I can't really call it an experience, it was more of an exposure, I guess. Um, so me and my mates were making a skateboard DVD slash film, just being dicks, 13, 14 years old up at our old high school, trying to make a little skate demo to try and get us sponsored, but to be honest, we were shit. Um, regardless of that we were finishing up for the day looked across the playing fields which was at our school a massive rugby rugby field um surrounding that was a load of trees probably 60 foot the tallest and just as we were like about to bugger off i and my friend looked at the top of this tree and just saw this swirling weird you know like where heat rises it's kind of like that but faster and it wasn't going out of the shape of like a I don't know, you'd kind of call it an upside-down triangle, I guess, on the top of the tree, with like a, what looked like a mini hurricane of swirly heat fucking radiating from it. It was freaky. Um, and we sat there, we just sat down, chucked the boards on the grass, as you do, sat on your skateboard, and we just watched it for like 10, 20 minutes. Just like, what the fuck could that be, bro? Like, daring each other to go closer and like, go have a look, bro, go have a look. Um, I think we got probably 60 yards from it looking at it it obviously kept the same size it was um but yeah we just couldn't figure it out and at that time i'd not really known of any sort of glimmer man experiences or any sort of cloaking glimmering sort of thing we just put it down to well we don't know we just didn't know what it was we were like questioning whether there's a weird gas leak and it's projecting it up there for some reason out the top of a tree um, but yeah, it was weird. It was like just on top of the tree, specifically, like right where the edge of the tree line finishes, just on the drip line. Um, but yeah, being an arborist as well for 16 years, I have not seen anything like that since and can't put it down to anything like biomechanically of the tree of some sort of thing that it does. Um, so yeah, that was my Glimmerman experience. It wasn't something chasing me chasing me through some woodland like a lot of other people but it was just a, an experience where we were like what the fuck <laughs> um so yeah i'll um i'll keep sending them through every now and again because uh, i've got way too many and you guys have got a show to make so nah all good hope to catch you guys sometime see you
Dom, thanks again for sending another story in. I know you sent this one months ago, but like I said, we aren't good. It seems like the creepiness kind of follows you around, bud. Yeah, it's, I would say so at this point. I dig it from the time you were young, even even to now. I I can I can fuck with it. Uh, I just want to touch on the <laughs> skateboard video. Yes, because that's pretty sick. I definitely uh, did it too when I was little. Yeah, fun fact: one of the first times I ever hung out with Kyle, we were at a buddy's house, and they had this little makeshift rail, and Kyle had a Jamaican Rasta wig on, and we set the rail on fire with gasoline, and Kyle was grinding on this flaming rail. True story. It happened. True story. It happened. Hundred percent true. So yeah, we when we were all in high school, we'd probably kick it, Dom. It'd be sick. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But the the story that stands out to me is your Glimmer Man story. Same. It uh, definitely has all the harm hallmarks of what you hear. Predator in, in the predator in the in the weird missing four one one cases. It's uh, I don't know, man. It makes you wonder how much like danger you may have been in sitting there exposed to it and stuff and i don't know you ever seen anything that weird in all your no woodsian no no like the the closest thing that i can equate anything to would be like seeing some type of mirage you know like the heat coming off of a of the grass or uh the road or whatever you know because it does the it does get oddly hot in certain locations, like when you have tall grass or, I mean, corn. That's a great example right there is corn. Yeah. You know, cornfields just radiate with heat. Yeah. They just hold it all in for whatever reason. But when, yeah, I mean, when it takes, a, when it localizes itself and it almost like takes its own form. Yeah, that's not very cool. Kind of changes. A little bit. Things. Definitely would creep me yeah, out. it's weird. Dom, you are a magnet for weirdness, my friend. Yeah. I and you're I'm awesome here for it and you are awesome thank so, you keep being dope keep sending us all your weird shit not that i hope weird shit's still happening to you but if it is we want to hear about it this is true so um if you want to have a story you'd like to submit you know the drill we'll feature it eventually when we get there because we're not good at what we do yeah that is what it is today's meat of the story is uh the valley of the headless men I know you're going to... That's intriguing, huh? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, it's been all over the place lately on TikTok and on YouTube and on just everywhere. This whole... The whole story is just kind of making making its way out there. Um, I listen to... If anybody gets on YouTube and watches stuff, go check out Mr. Ballin. He's got hella videos on weird shit, and I used him as kind of a preface. He had all kinds of good sources and shit, and... He tells the story way better than I'm going to tell it, so definitely go check him out. I wanted to shout him out before we get into it. But here we go, the Valley of the Headless Men. So the case I dug into today comes to us from the Great White North, good old Canada. Shout out to Canada. Um, it's an area of land uh, that's named the Northwest Territories, which the Northwest Territories is a massive swath of land that's mostly wild and uninhabited. To try to give you guys an example of how big this area is, it's about twice the size of Texas. I mean, that's pretty good size. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty That's pretty big. It's decent. Where Texas has a population of 26 million, 
the Northwest Territories has a population of about 40,000. So it's oh. twice as big with about 1.6% of the population. So to say that humans are sparse in the area is kind of an understatement. Yeah. On top of it being so vast and unoccupied, the whole area is almost completely wild. There's forests and mountains and rivers and wild animals, all sorts of different threats for people who are trying to get, go up there and visit. Uh, one specific location that seems to be more dangerous than the rest. It's almost dead center of the territory. It's known as the Nahani Valley. It's an 11,000 square mile section of just pure wilderness. In 1976, they made the valley into a national park. In 78, it became a World Heritage Site. There are very few roads leading in. You almost have to fly in or boat in or backpack in. Well, that sounds like a really shitty national park. Yeah, unless you don't, unless there's something in the national park you don't want people to find out about. Yeah, but don't they normally make it to where you can go to a fucking park? I don't know. I'm not trying to go up there. Well, I probably, would. First off, it's probably cold as shit. That's yeah. That's the only reason why I ain't going. That's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two thousand miles away. Well, I mean, it's not that bad. We could drive it. Yeah, we could hike in. You got the Vinji and the the Cherokee. That's deal. true. That's true. Um, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to like portray like it is. It is just pure nature. Right. Like man yeah. has man has very has just barely touched it. I just figured it was dumb as hell because they you said there's you Bro, can't drive to. I it. don't make the parks. You either Maybe fly Canada's or parks boat. are different. Maybe Canada <laughs> makes parks that you they don't want people in. That's shitty. <laughs> I don't know how to make the rules. Why don't you just make some type of like <laughs> protected land where they just go, yeah, you can't go in here. <laughs> um, with this, it's also said to be extremely haunted and ripe with paranormal activity. Even the name stems from an odd paranormal encounter. The few native tribes that have, have inhabited the area over the years have mostly either fled in fear or there are tales of mysterious white beings and abnormally large wolves that stalk these particular forests. Or, if they haven't fled, they've just disappeared. Like the Naha tribe, who the valley is actually named after. Nahani is from the language of the indigenous Dene people that have inhabited the region for millennia. They're one of the only tribes that actually like can live there and thrive there, that have existed forever. Uh, the name Naha means the people over there in reference to the tribe of mountain dwelling people known as the Naha. They were enigmatic, aggressive, and violent. The Naha tribe of these mountains. The tribe was said to consist of fierce warriors who wore masks and armor adorned with frightening imagery and were norm known to brutally decapitate their victims. Warriors of the Naha tribe were said to be larger than normal men and wield strange and powerful weapons that no one had ever seen before who were once known to raid lowland settlements before they just mysteriously vanished into thin air overnight, leaving behind their food, shelter, supplies, just gone in a snap. That's pretty weird, dog. I wish they would have elaborated more on their weird weapons. Yeah, Thanos. Well, that's but then it, then it backfired because then it worked on them. Maybe that's what they wanted it to. True, true. I don't know. and I mean, they sound like giants. You know, right out of the rip. With you, when they say that their weapons are weird, it almost makes me think that they're futuristic. I guess, like, like, I don't even know. Maybe alien technology. Well, I'm just grasping. I didn't know aliens made battle axes. 
What, what do you know aliens to make? Probes. <laughs> Bat- <laughs> battle probes. God, that's that awful. Sucks. That's, that's terrible. I'm not fighting I'm these just guys. Picturing a javelin with the. Yep. Yeah. No. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Things get more bizarre in the early 1900s with events happening that are hard to separate the folklore from fact. Uh, so the idea of the indigenous tribes that, like, they thought the area was evil or something evil lurked within the valley. What happens after um, white man kind of moves in almost pushes it more to be true. The first story I'm going to get into, it's uh, it's kind of long, but I wanted to kind of give the most information on it because it's how the valley got its name. We have the McLeod brothers, who in 1904, three brothers, Willie, Frank, and Charlie McLeod, decided to brave the valley and go out and look for some gold. They decided to make their way into Nahani and float the Flat River. They picked a decent spot to set up their camp on the river, and they decided to start sluicing, trying to find gold. For those that don't know what sluicing is, you got a box, it's got a screen in it, the gold kind of is heavy, kind of flows to the bottom, you're just sifting out gold. Sounds uh, like something we need to go do. Yeah, let's go to the valley, bro. I'm getting rich. They definitely hit it big from what they said. The brothers have filled up multiple satchels with gold in this prime spot. They decide to go back to town, clearly sell shit, make make bank. On their way, their canoe capsizes in the flat river. Good job. Not only does it canoe or does it capsize in the rapids, it also breaks apart. So of course it does. They lose all of their gold. Their canoe's disintegrating, so they're just grasping. They're like, we, to survive, we're going to get what we can and get back to the shore. And it's probably cold as fuck, right? Like, yeah. I don't imagine. Depending, I don't know what, when it was exactly, but I imagine it's probably pretty chilly. At least there. the water's got to be chilly as fuck. So they grab their supplies, grab some of the pieces of canoe. They're said that they made a makeshift raft, and they were so bummed about losing so much gold. They're like, fuck it, we're going to go back to the spot. And sluice for some more. We're not going home empty-handed. They're crazy. Guess what they found? Nothing. That's weird. Yeah, nothing. So they said, you know what? This sucks. We're going back home. I'm going to makeshift raft my ass back home. (laughs) Yeah, they said, we're just going to tuck our tails and go. As soon as they made it back, though. It makes it sound like the the gold's cursed. I I didn't even add that in here, but keep that in the back of your mind. All right. So they make it back home, and right off the rip, the two younger brothers, Frank and Willie, they start talking about making the trip back. They're like, you know what? We're we're going to get rich. We had a boat the same thing. full of fucking gold. We know it's there. I do the we same thing. We know it's there. We are ready to roll. Charlie, being older and wiser, he's like, man, that last trip sucked. Like, we almost drowned. We lost all our gold. I didn't have a good time. I'm out in the middle of the forest. It's... It just is, is not. It's cold as shit. I'd have been like, the one key word there, our gold. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? I'm going to set this one out. Hey, Hollow Colt. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dog man or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. 
That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You guys go knock yourselves out. I hope you find all kinds of crazy awesome shit. I'm just going to chill. In 1905, the two younger brothers set off back to the Nahani Valley, accompanied by a third man, Robert Weir, to try and find their mother load of gold. They didn't actually give anyone a specific time frame as to how long they'd be gone, so when nobody had heard from them in a few weeks, Charlie wasn't that worried about it. He figured they probably started finding gold, built a little camp, we're going to extend their stay and just start piling it up as much as they can. Weeks turn into months, months turn into a year. Charlie still isn't all that concerned because they're all experienced outdoorsmen. They, they've lived in the woods. Fam, it's been a year. (laughs) Bro, but they're stacking money. And like, if they didn't take, I mean, I guess, uh, no, you wouldn't have planned for a year. Like that's, but you can survive. And then then not tell anybody like, Hey, I'm going to stay up here for a year. Yeah. But if I'm finding gold, I ain't telling a fucking soul. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, Sus. but then again, I get you. Then again, in today's world, like if I didn't hear from Steve in two weeks, I'm gonna be like, "What the fuck's this idiot doing?" I'm gonna yeah. text him because I would be all yeah. That's that's it's so communication's it is, so much different. Now. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely a little bit of a gap there. So uh, he's like, you know what? They're probably just stacking gold. They built themselves a little cabin. They're just you know they're on it. They're on it. They don't want to leave and risk losing their settlement. Another year passes. And now he's like, damn, bro. My little brother's been gone for two years. I better get a party together and go check it out. (coughs) So he gets four other guys from his town. They mount their own expedition and go search for the three men. They hit the flat river and start looking. To give you an idea of the flat river, it's, it's pretty intimidating. There are areas of it that are just completely boxed in by these massive sheer cliffs that are like, some of them are 3000 fucking feet tall and dotting along these cliffs way the fuck up here are caves, caves in the side of these. It might be limestone. I'm not for sure, but the only ones that have ever been explored are the ones low enough for people to, to get to. Right. So essentially these caves have never been touched. So you can imagine floating down this, river and there's rapids and you're already like 
anxious because you're looking for your little brothers who have you haven't heard from in two years. And this these massive walls are up there, and you would you'd almost have to have a feeling being watched in that. Oh yeah, With those holes and shit like in those caves. It's creepy. That would be so weird. And just being completely boxed in, like it would be, it would be a different kind of anxiety. So they're getting ready to exit this particular canyon and head into the next when they manage to catch sight of a tent set up right beyond the tree line. And the way they describe the flat river is that these sheer cliffs run right into the river. There's barely any shore, but as you exit them, it kind of opens up again until the next big canyon. Right. So right as this canyon opens up, they have their tent set up back behind the tree line. They make their way and start rowing toward the shore, but as they get closer to the bank, they notice a body lying on the rocky ground. Upon closer inspection, they realize that the body is missing its head. Stranger still is the fact that the body was, or that the body and the clothes that we're wearing were charred, like they had been set on fire. Right. The body looked as if it were reaching for something. Its right arm is completely outstretched, and just out of reach was a rifle propped up against a tree stump. So it's almost like he was in a panic. Yeah, I was trying to get to his... Trying to get to his rifle. Yeah, protect himself. And keep keep in mind that the body was set on fire. Clearly, they're shocked by their discovery. Charlie's getting bummed, thinking, man, this could be my little brother. They decide to search around camp for any indication of who it could be. As they make their way to the tent, they find another grisly discovery. Partially inside the tent was another badly decomposed body, partially wrapped up in a blanket. When they remove the blanket to investigate, they notice that his body is also decapitated, missing its head. They continue to search around the area to try to locate the missing heads to possibly confirm the identity of the victims, but their heads are never recovered. However, they do find specific possessions in the pockets of the victims and the tent that confirm that they are, in fact, the bodies of Charles' younger brothers, Willie and Frank. Robert Weir is not found at the campsite. He's not there. So he's going to be suspect number one. Suspect number one. Yeah. Did they get on this mother load of gold, Weir take off, leave with it? But in all fairness, that is a little extreme to go chopping dudes heads off yeah that's kind of extreme yeah he is in fact still missing to this day there were reports that people had seen him in like all san francisco and las vegas but none of them were confirmed however a little ways down the river another partial skeleton that was found that is attributed to be weirs but it was never proven so it kind of kind of makes sense that he was probably the third man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what would be the odds at that point? Yeah. Another note of interest is the phrase, we have found a fine prospect, was carved into the base of a tree near the campsite, indicating that Charles' little brothers had found gold, although no gold of any, of any amount was found anywhere near the campsite. So if, if they were out there for two years packing gold in... Now they're fine, so murdered, and there's weird. no gold. Was the body outside badly decomposed as well? I assume. I'm I'm assuming yes. Yeah. I don't know if them setting it on fire. I don't know. Changed it or what? Anyway, Charlie gets back to town, reports the find to the local mounted police, who did an investigation of their own, and they attributed the bodies to starvation. And then animal scavengers had removed the heads and moved Weir's body down the river. Oh. Charlie didn't buy this official explanation. 
I don't blame you, Charlie, because the bodies were set on fire. Well, if, actually... Bears uh, do yeah. use matches. Yeah. They like a warm meal once in a while. Okay? The... the How do you... Why do you think Smokey the Bear is in existence? Because... Bears were known for catching their, their food on fire, Solved which it. then in turn would catch the forest to, on fire. I don't even need to finish the, the See, episode because done. Hollis Guy nails it again. Again. The community that the McLeods lived in were torn overseeing the murders of their brothers and stuff. Half of them seemed to think that the third set of remains didn't belong to Weir and that he'd killed the two brothers and made off with the gold after severing their heads to, key, to try to throw off identification. The rest of the community believed that the campsite had been attacked either by other gold prospectors, uh, some rogue killer, an animal, or creatures that lurk in the forest. Oh. Cool. And so again, now we have creatures. Like I said, I went into pretty good detail in this first case because it's how the valley ended up adapting its name, the Valley of the Headless Men, because the men were headless. That's so weird. About nine years later, a gold prospector, Martin Jorgensen, decided to test the fate of the Headless Valley and went out on a solo prospect prospecting trip up the Flat River. He set up camp about 70 miles upstream from where the McLeod brothers' bodies were found. He had actually built a one-room cabin on his site. He was planning on staying there all winter. He was going to meet up with his partners the following summer, so he was, he was ready. Like, he had his shit together. Apparently, not long after setting up camp, Martin started finding gold in a lot of it. On a supply run, he sent out word to his prospecting buddies that he had hit the mother load, and they... This got them hella stoked to meet up with them the next summer. That summer rolls around and his partners show up at the designated meeting spot to wait for Martin. Martin doesn't show up. They wait around a few days and Martin still no shows. He remains missing. So they're standing there like, you know what? We're going to have to go in here and find him. So they take off down the flat river to see if they can locate him or his camp or his stake. Just anything to try to make sure he's all right. So they start traversing into the Nahani up the flat river. Eventually, they stumble on Martin's cabin. Well, what was left of it? It had been completely burned to the ground. Not far from the cabin was also Martin's charred remains. His head, too missing. No gold was found on the premises. Was there a, a <clears throat> year difference that I didn't hear you say? Like from when they... Are you talking about from the first one to the second one? Yeah. Nine years. The McLeod brothers' bodies were okay. found nine years so, later. Jorgensen's was found. Still still could be in the realm of possibility that the same asshole did this. True. True. Very much so. Um, <clears throat> upon turning over to the police, they refused to connect the four murders, even though they were all in the same general location, same MO, and such. Clearly doing a bang-up job, considering they thought that the McLeod brothers starved to death and animal took their heads... Even though their bodies were set on fire. I even, like, capitalized that. Well, I mean, like we discussed earlier. Martin's skull, as well as the gold he had told everyone he had discovered, also never found. That's so weird. A few years later, 1921, gold once again drew people in the Nahani Valley. Prospector John O'Brien and his partner ventured out to strike it rich, setting up camp not far from where the decapitated body of the McLeod brothers were found. They immediately began finding gold and were having a pretty decent time. One morning, John got up and decided he was going to go out and check traps that they'd set up along the river. There, just to get food for the next coming weeks and you know how that goes. Uh, he told his partner he'd be back eight to nine days. They had a long swath of traps set up. He was just going to go out, 
gather their shit and come back. Nine days came and went. His prospecting buddy decided that he needed to go and look for John. There was another prospector in the area in the valley. So John's partner ended up stumbling on him. He also decided to go and look for John with his partner. As they began traversing the river, looking for him, not, not long after they took off on their search, they found John. He had frozen to death. He did have his head. However, his death is pretty odd. John was found sitting straight up in front of a previously lit fire. I picture him probably sitting cross-legged, right, sitting there. There weren't any signs of struggle or fear on his face. He wasn't in pain. He looked as if he was just sitting there enjoying his campfire, and then he just died. So much so that he still had a book of matches in his hand. Investigators said he looked like he had been flash frozen. That doesn't even make sense. How fucking weird is that? Did the fire, was there like coals and stuff in this little fire pit? Yeah, the it, it, the fire had been lit. Okay, it was. It, they said it looked. It looked as if he was just sitting there, just sitting there warming himself. Maybe I don't know if he was cooking food or anything, but you can assume so that he was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, he just. So, I mean, the only thing that I could come up with is that, like, maybe he had gotten wet. Could be, you know, and he was trying to dethal himself, but ended up kind of just dying, succumbing to it. It is weird that he had he was still holding stuff though. Yeah, that's true. And the fact that he had his fire started, that's the hardest part. Yeah. You know. I don't know. It gets weirder though. And like I said, not not all the disappearances and the the deaths involve decapitation, but it's just how the valley got its name. All the weird shit is just weird. In 1926, a couple years later, a hunting party set up along the banks of the Headless Valley. Uh, the party included a woman, a young woman named Annie Lafferty. Everything seemingly goes fine the first day. They make their way down the flat river, find a nice spot to set up camp, and everything's going good. The night goes well. They're they're kind of excited to be out there, got their camaraderie going and everything. They wake up the next morning and Annie's missing. They can't find her. They spend the next few days searching for her, but she's nowhere to be found. They eventually leave the valley after a few days searching and contact the police, who go out to investigate further. No signs of Annie is found. However, a few months later, a man by the name of Charlie had overheard in a bar discussion of the hunting party and that a young woman had gone missing. Charlie was in that area the evening, that same evening prospecting for gold. He came forward to tell police what he had witnessed the night Annie went missing. He was aware that their hunting party was near the camp, near nearby in their camp. He could hear him setting up, hear him laughing, having a good time. As night fell, he turned in for the evening. Sometime that night or early morning, he was awakened by the sounds of rocks splashing into the flat river. Interesting in what was going on, makes sure there's not a predator outside. He gets up, grabs his rifle, leaves his tent to see what's causing the commotion. As he's outside, he hears the splashing again. He states that they're not big rocks, they're not like boulders, but they're probably just stones, you know, tossing-sized stones that are falling into the river to his left. As he surveys the direction the sound's coming from, he notices some movement about 100 yards away. Through the sparse trees, he notices a woman, completely naked, 
scrambling up the side of the cliff on all fours, knocking the rocks loose that are falling into the oh, river okay. below. As he's looking at her, he says she turns her head suddenly and locks eyes with him. He said he is completely terrified at what he sees in her face. He didn't go into detail, but he said she looked like a woman possessed. It scared him so much that he actually packed his tent up, or he retreated to his tent and didn't try to help the woman. Even though he knew anybody that were completely nude in that area, in that element, it's pretty much a death sentence. Yeah, you're done. By the time he turned these details over to police... They described Annie to him, and he pretty much all but confirmed that the woman that he saw was Annie. Right. The police decided not to re- not to search for Annie because it's so much time had passed. They pretty much confirmed that she would be dead by now. Her body's never been. Kind of sucks. Weird. Definitely weird, weird especially if she was running around that cold ass place naked. That's yeah. dumb. You hear Wendigo stories. Of this madness taking over people. Yeah. It kind of gets in their head and they just kind of lose it out there in the forest. Um, The odd deaths do not stop. 1931, another prospector decides to tempt the fate of the Headless Valley. Phil Powers treks into the valley and builds a cabin off the flat river. A few months later, his cabin's found burnt to the ground. While his body is intact, it is said that the fire actually started on the roof. So Phil would have had more than enough time to escape, prompting speculation that he was killed or had died before the fire started. That's so weird. So somebody's out there catching the shit on fire. 1936, two more prospectors head out in search of riches. William Epler and Joseph Mulholland traverse the valley. They too set up off the flat river, also build a cabin as a home base for their prospecting. Just as Phil's cabin... Theirs was also found burnt to the ground. However, neither Joseph or William's body was ever found in the rubble. The bodies were never re- recovered, and they remain missing to this day. So maybe I retract my statement about going to the, the National Park, the little headless valley there, because yeah, everybody who builds shelter, it just gets burnt to the ground. 1945, another prospector, Ernest Savard, entered the valley to strike it rich. Whenever Ernest didn't return to make a specific meeting with some friends of his, a search party was set out. Ernest's body was found in a sleeping bag right along the flat river. He, too, was missing his head. The police investigated and again called it an accident and animal predation, but they didn't connect this to any of the other decapitations. Oh, so at this point, the police know weird shit's happening and they're just not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, it's animals. Yeah. They're, they're starving. They're freezing. It's yeah. animals. A year later, 1946, John Patterson, yet another gold miner, trekked off into the valley and never returned. A search party went to look for him, but he was never found. The leader of the search party reported that on one of their last days of the search, they'd set up camp for the evening. As darkness began to fall, a local tribe actually walked out of the trees, and when they came, they warned them. They said that multiple white stalking figures were seen in the valley that night, around the river, on the hill, the hill faces, just everywhere. They said that they need to be careful and they need to stay in the firelight because outside of it, it isn't safe. The tribesmen then just walked back into the forest. Oh, okay. That's not ominous at all. <laughs> right? That night, the party leader states they heard howling and screams and wails all night long. Absolutely terrified, the entire party left the next day. Party leader said that after hearing all those noises, he felt like the entire valley was evil. 
Um, that's pretty much the last case of missing people for the most part that kind of falls into this, this genre, but the Valley over the last, since the forties has had way, way, way less people, large swaths of the park have been closed off to the public here lately. Oddly enough, many of them around the actual Valley of the Headless Men. They've just been closing them off yeah. to the public. The Park Service says it's to protect the wilderness of the area. <laughs> right, right. But it almost sounds more like, like it's... protecting the patrons who decide to go there. Yeah, right. So that's kind of all the information that I had. Um, I got some little notes here. Could it have been a rogue native tribe? That do not like because if you think totally about it, could have been. If you think about it, the first the first thing happened in 1908, and the last decapitation happened in 45. That's a 40 year swath. If it's a serial killer, that dude is getting old. Yeah, getting old. Yeah. So, like I said, ro- a rogue tribe maybe maybe they don't. Outside of paranormal, I would probably buy that one the most. Yeah, uh, or battling prospectors. You know, but people get up there. Decapitation they get, is a um, whole nother beast. Unless after that first one, they saw people getting scared of the lore behind it. Possibly. To kind of keep it rolling. Possibly. The fact that no gold was recovered in any of these, in any of these scenarios kind of leads to other, other prospectors benefiting. It's possible. It's possible. I wouldn't rule it out, but it's not at the top of my list. Um, serial killer, again, 40 years is a long time. It's it's not unheard of, but it is rare. Well, you are getting then, old to overpower. In some cases, you're you're taking on two two individuals. Yeah. Some some three. Yeah. So good luck, 80-year-old man. <laughs> um, what else do I got here? Uh could it be a rogue Bigfoot? We know uh Port Chatham, we did a whole story on. It's kind of in the same vein, the same uh, wilderness and stuff. And people went out in the woods there and their mutilated bodies rolled down the streams. So it's not... Fucking stupid. Yeah, it's not that far of a stretch. But whatever it is has the capability of setting fire. Well... I mean, how else is Bigfoot stay warm? That's true. That's true. Fair point. I didn't take that in consideration before I made my ignorant comment. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's cold as shit out there, bro. I agree. In the Northwest Territory. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that cold. If I was a Bigfoot, I'd learn how to start a fire. Clearly, they're they're smarter than us. They've They've managed to avoid detection for hundreds of years. That we know of. Yeah, probably millions of years. Last one I got is Wendigo because that's what kind of sparked. If you guys are on TikTok, Wendigos have just blown the fuck up on TikTok. I don't know what huh. it is. Interesting. Appalachia and there's all the there's videos of people hearing babies crying in the forest and all this weird nope. shit. But that's what kind of prompted me onto this story. Could it be a Wendigo? I mean, it could. Anything's possible. And the fact that they basically yeah. you know, called them. White stalking figures. That's I what mean, made me think of it. But you also hear of white Bigfoots. Look that's at the Yeti. true too. Yeti in Nepal. But when you say like, gray. I don't know. I guess. So for me personally, like when you say like when you give that description, like a white stalking figure, 
I think of something more lean. Slender. Yeah. yeah. But because you like Bigfoots are known for their size. I don't know. I just feel like and the whales and stuff, and the screams kind of go hand in hand with Bigfoot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know, man. It it was just a weird story. And like I said, definitely check out Mister Ball, and he covers the same cases, but he is a way better storyteller than I am. He he's dope. Definitely go give him a like and a subscribe if you guys are into the weird shit. Um, I don't know where I stand on this. Humans are capable of some f- fucked up shit, man. Decapitate. I don't know. Outside, like I said, outside of paranormal, I feel like it could very possibly be a could tribe. The, and you, you went a route that I didn't even think about. Could the gold be cursed? The fact that the gold is never recovered on all of these, where where they clearly and everybody have, they clearly said, "Yo, I hit it." Right. Yeah. Yeah. It. And it's not a little amount either. Like no, they're all they're saying, like, like, "We're rich." Yeah, we we're good. But if there is indigenous people there. That gold could be borderline sacred to them. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, where they're like, hey, guess what? You're not fucking taking this, and I'm going to cut your head off. And then I'm going to catch you on fire. That way, when the rest of the people find you, you're not going to want to come back here. And they're obviously obviously hard asses because they live in a shit environment. But it's going to be tough. Which makes you wonder, did did they start the, the... stories and lore behind the things lurking in in the valleys to keep people out possible or were they recanting actual things that they were seeing that's a good point because that either one well one's beneficial the other one just sucks yeah it's not beneficial to anyone no and it does suck i mean once again i know that we're shitty people but we do hold indigenous stories <laughs> to a higher regard yeah, we got a, and we got a bad review because we talk about being into native lore, yeah, and indigenous lore. It's whatever. Yeah, fuck them. That's on you, bruh. So that was kind of my theories. I I don't know. Part of me, part of me wants to buy into the paranormality of it all. That there is something stock in the woods. There is something protecting the wilderness out there. They don't want people to intrude on it and take from it. But the other part of me knows the people are terrible. Yeah. And it's definitely not that far fetched to think there is it might it might not even be the same person. It could be multiple people. Yeah. Out here just killing and stealing. Like that's 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 humans to a T. That and then the damn the original tribe, they just flat out disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't they even... Had, they had super weapons and super armor, and they were bigger than normal people, and they just Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. The whole the whole it area is, is weird. weird. Um, If anybody lives in the Northwest Territories, and you live in the Valley of the Headless Men, uh, shout us a holler, dog. Yeah. <laughs> stick a sticker on one of the trees up there or something. Yeah, hollow sky sticker pop. Or, or on a little golden nugget. Yeah, I just want to share that for people who hadn't heard the story before. It's it's bizarre. It is weird. It's kind of true crime-ish. But... Question. Like, I like the idea that the original tribe is... I don't know if you would want to say ghost, but like almost has this immortal aspect to it. And they are there protecting the land and protecting the gold because it was sacred to them. 
And then when you come in, you basically shit on their turf. They're like, yes, this isn't going to go this way. And the, the, the fact that none of the heads were recovered is even more bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. And then the, there's so what if there's some oddities. old ass? What if so there's some old ass mountain man out there that has died fifty fucking years ago, and they're gonna stumble on his cabin, and he's just got heads stacked up. <laughs> on Wouldn't his that be so floor. weird? He's he's his whole cabin is just a pile of gold, and there's just heads on the mantle. Yep. Wow, that went in a dark route, didn't it? Yeah, it did a little bit. But that's that. If you guys want to dig into it anymore, find out, find any more weird shit that happened there, feel free to shout us out. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's about it for this one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Even though it was kind of dark, should have put a disclaimer. I'm going to put a disclaimer at the end. Uh, trigger warning, if you don't like decapitation, you're going to wish you didn't listen to this story. True. So, until next time, check us out at all our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Come and hang out. Uh, like Kyle said, we are starting to do some open lines. We will let you guys know in advance when we plan on doing those. So get your weird stories together. And you can call in Art Bell style and we will talk about them for future episodes. Till we meet again, stay safe, stay weird. And if you go into the Valley of the Headless Men, uh, I don't know, just don't. Just don't go there. It's, I mean, it might be worth it because of gold, but I don't know, just don't.